ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. The Drive. Elmore deep, left side three, and With Paul Swan. Welcome in to the Thursday, July 25th edition. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in. You can join us every hour we do the show on the Miller Lite phone lines, 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. Miller Lite Hold True, great taste, only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. So what do we got coming up today? Well, I've got a lot to get into with you, so we'll do that. But we're going to talk to Bob Sparks. He is one of the founders and organizers of the Cerrito Canova Sports Weekend. What that does is it honors past contributions to sports in Cerrito and Canova. Also, it's a fundraising mechanism for community youth sports and the Eric Sparks Memorial Scholarship Fund. Eric was Bob's son, also a standout athlete at CK High and a member of the 1994 West Virginia Class A championship football team. Um, If you don't remember his story, he lost his life in a tragic shooting incident. So Bob's going to join us later on the program. We're going to talk about that. And, of course, I have to mention this. Because he told me to, Bill Cornwell, you know Bill Cornwell, longtime fixture of these airwaves, this program, and other things involving Cerrito Canova Sports. Uh, he told me he was emceeing the event, so he made me promise that I would tell everyone that he is emceeing the event. So there you go. We've told everyone Bill Cornwell is going to emcee that event, so definitely get your tickets for that and that alone. But Bob's going to join us a little bit later on in the program. We'll talk to him. So a busy day today for the Pirates. A busy day today losing Joe Musgrove. Allowed six runs. Five earned on seven hits, including three home runs in five innings. And the Cardinals finished off their four-game sweep of the Pirates. Beat them at PNC Park. 6-3 victory. It was the Pirates' fifth straight loss and... Worse than that, it's their 11th and 13 games since the All-Star break. They have fallen 10 games under 500 for the first time since the final day of the 2017 season in the National League. Only the Marlins right now have a lower winning percentage. So it's not all bad. They're not the Marlins. But even the Reds are ahead of them now, and the Reds are pretty bad. They're pretty lowly. So Pirates, Reds, everybody else in the division. Hasn't been good. You thought coming in after the All-Star break, okay, hey, Pittsburgh's ready to roll, going to win some games, and instead they're not going to be a contender. I don't see any way for them to dig themselves out of this hole, and as the trade deadline approaches, you've got two teams. you got buyers and sellers. Guess what? Pittsburgh's a seller right now. They're not going to be buying. They're going to be selling and rebuilding for next season and beyond. So if there's somebody you're attached to and you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, um, you might not be seeing them around much longer. Uh, and that's a shame, too, because, again, they look pretty solid. They were looking pretty good going into the All-Star break. They had some key wins. Uh, they were in the hunt, and now 10 games under 500. And it's been so bad, even the Reds have passed them up. Um, those two are going to have a back-and-forth, I'm sure, for the bottom spot in the division. Football news, and we're getting closer to that very day where Marshall takes on VMI 6.30 p.m. on August 31st at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. And one guy who hopefully 
will be making a lot of noise is Brendan Knox. He was named to the 2019 Wolf Roll Easy for me to say. 2019 World Trophy watch list on this very day. That's right. It was the second preseason honor for him. He was uh, previously named to the AFCA Good Works team nominee list earlier in the summer. Now, the Warfold Trophy is known as College Football's Premier Award for Community Service. It's presented every February in Fort Walton Beach. Named after Danny Werfel, of course, the 1996 Heisman Trophy winner. And this award is pretty special because it goes to the FBS player that best combines exemplary community service with athletic and academic achievement. And the semifinalists for the award will be announced on November 5th, and finalists will be announced on November 18th. And the formal announcement of the 2019 recipient will be made at the National Football Foundation's Festival in New York City on December 10th. The presentation of the trophy will occur at the 51st All Sports Association Awards Banquet on February 14th, 2020 at Fort Walton Beach. So, Brendan Knox might be able to walk away some hardware here. you got to admit, if you're going to pick a guy for a watch list, you can't do much better than Brendan Knox. Uh, a second-team all-conference preseason picked by Athlon. Uh, they missed the boat there, but I digress. Blasted onto the scene toward the end of last season. You know what he did. You know what he did. 578 rushing yards, four touchdowns in the final five games of the season. And... A courtesy stat provided by Marshall Sports Information, his 297 rushing yards in December led all college football. He averaged 115.6 yards per game in those final five games, which that would have ranked eighth nationally for the entire season, but uh, his rushing average included production from all 13 games because he did play on special teams. But still... Uh, if that's a guy uh, you're going to put on a watch list, you're going to be pretty happy to watch him because I definitely expect big things out of him. And speaking of football, we'll keep it on football just for a little bit. All right, Cleveland Browns fans, I'm going to throw you a bum. Yes, Odell Beckham Jr. was big time putting on a show. Yes, he made two highlight reel catches on the first day of Browns training camp. There was a capacity crowd there. They lined up outside the gate several hours before they opened because, well, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, what do you have to live for in life? I mean, right now the Browns are undefeated. This is the happiest you'll probably be. And we'll leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. All right, um, we're um, going to talk about what's happening with uh, Kentucky Wildcats when we continue uh, some moves today from the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, We'll talk about that. Coming up as well, we'll hear from Bob Sparks a little bit later on. We're going to talk about the Cerrito Cordova Sports Weekend. That's all when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan, the 2019 West Virginia Broadcasters Association Best Talk Show on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. For those of you who follow the Kentucky Wildcats, and I know you do, I met a lot of you over in Ashland last week. The Wildcats have some bad news for you. 
It was announced today that safety Devontae Robinson missing the season after tearing a quadricep muscle. Happened Tuesday. He needs surgery, and you're going to miss him desperately. He made three starts in 2018, played in all of 13 games. He was expected to start at safety and was the team's sixth leading tackler last year. He had 42 tackles, and he had uh, a few of those go for loss. So that's a big loss today on the football side for Kentucky. Also, while we're at it, while we're talking Kentucky, let's talk Big 12 SEC Challenge. I actually dig this. I was a big fan of the uh, ACC Big East Challenge. I remember those days back when you got those superstar matchups, those super team matchups. It was real big. I would come home after after classes, you know, Big Monday. I'd watch basketball all night long, Big Monday on ESPN. I love this. So yeah, I will tune in on one of this. But Kentucky's going to visit Texas Tech. So Kentucky's got to go play Texas Tech. That's cool. Kansas will play host to Tennessee. And you've got Kansas State at Alabama. TCU is going to be at Arkansas. Iowa State's going to be at Auburn. Baylor's taking on Florida. LSU at Texas. Mississippi State at Oklahoma. Missouri at West Virginia. And Oklahoma State at Texas A&M. Now, you got four SEC teams that aren't playing this year. Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt. So I don't think anyone's going to really miss those as much. But just look at these matchups. Kentucky taking on the NCAA tournament runner-up Texas Tech, and depending on how good Texas Tech is, this could be a, a preview of things to come. I mean, that's cool. And then Kansas and Tennessee, I kind of like that one, actually. I, I don't know why. I mean, Tennessee's got a basketball history and a legacy. Sure they do. Kansas, though, it's Kansas. One of the elites. I mean, that's a that's a good matchup there. So I'm, I'm down with that. West Virginia, uh, they're going to play host to Missouri. I don't know. Are you excited about that one? I'm sure it'll be a fun matchup, but are you really excited about that as a matchup? I guess you got to pair them as you, as you have the standings. I guess you got to pair them. you got to figure out what makes sense. But Kansas State, Alabama, okay. Um, all right, that's interesting. Not doing it for me on the Richter scale. TCU at Arkansas. Okay, again, not doing it for me. Iowa State at Auburn. Yeah, that might be interesting. Baylor at Florida. Okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. Uh, LSU at Texas is, is kind of interesting to me. And uh, Mississippi State at Oklahoma. That that might be okay as well. Uh, really, though, I guess, other than we don't know where these teams are going to stack up once they play against each other, where they're at in the standing. So that's going to dictate some of this and some of the excitement. But still, Kentucky and Texas Tech, Kansas and Tennessee, those are probably your marquee games there. And everybody else is, we'll just wait and see. I mean, West Virginia could have a really good season this year. And then, you know, Missouri could have a good season. All of a sudden, we got a really nice marquee matchup. Uh, but Missouri's going to take on West Virginia. Thankfully for the Mountaineers, they don't have to travel and take on Missouri. And uh, they don't have, uh, it just doesn't have that panache to it. It doesn't have that, that feel. Like, that's your matchup. Oklahoma State, Texas A&M. Um, boy, I do miss the days of the ACC Big East Challenge. I, I miss those days. Uh, I like um, – maybe I'm just not a big fan of Big 12 basketball as much. That's probably what it is. I'm not feeling it, though. And 
the LSU Texas game interesting to me because you got LSU coach Will Wade. He was an assistant on Texas coach Shaka Smart's staff at VCU from 2009 to 2013. So you got a storyline there. What's the Missouri West Virginia storyline in basketball? You don't really have one. Oklahoma State, Texas A&M, okay. Texas, Oklahoma, anytime those two states meet in anything, I'm sure it's interesting. Mississippi State at Oklahoma, again, I'm not I'm not feeling it as much. LSU and Texas, though, I'm definitely thinking there's a storyline there, so that should be fun. Kansas State, Alabama, though. I mean, that could be interesting. We'll, we'll wait and see. But Kentucky definitely getting, I think, the fun game, the challenge here, Texas Tech and Kansas and Tennessee, uh, those are definitely your marquee games for sure. Now, uh, I mentioned to you, uh, we got some Bengal player moves today. The Bengals today signing free agent uh, Andre Smith and uh, Dan Godsell. They waived their wide receiver, Kermit Whitfield. Smith, who was a first-round pick of the Bengals back in 2009, has played 98 of his 110 career games with Cincinnati. He spent the final five games of last season with the Bengals at three starts. He did open the season with the Arizona Cardinals. Godsell, who was a rookie, spent the last four seasons uh, at Indiana University, played in 50 career games. He's going to be classified as a college free agent. Previously hasn't been with an NFL team. And then Whitfield, first-year player, joined the Bengals as a free agent in 2017, spent the last two seasons on the practice squad. So really, you're not going to miss him. You don't know much about him. Uh, Also, some active player list moves today. Uh, Darquez Denard, second-year cornerback Darius Phillips, your third-year guard Alex Redman, and uh, your rookie tackle Jonah Williams, all placed on the active, physically unable to perform list. And then the halfback rookie Rodney Anderson placed on the active non-football injury list. All five of the players moved to the active list noted will continue to count against the team's roster limit and can be activated to practice as soon as they are cleared medically. I'm cautiously optimistic about this Bengals team. I, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't know if this thing just has to crash and burn completely and then you get a better run next year at the draft. Draft a quarterback. If there's a quarterback out there to be drafted next season that is a game-changer, a cliche word that we will continue to use until the end of time, a game-changer, I say go for it, make that play, because I am not necessarily against Andy Dalton. I'm just not on Team Dalton right now. I'm not on Team Dalton. And everyone else in the division are looking to strengthen themselves. The Browns seem to have their quarterback wide receiver tandem in place, their duo. The Steelers signing Mike Tomlin to an extension, so they've got their coach in place. I'm not surprised by that, though. There's nobody out there right now, really, that I would take over Tomlin. If I'm looking for a head coach, I'll go ahead and extend him. I can't think of too many. Nobody in the market that sits there and screams, okay, this guy is the next head coach at the Steelers. Just nobody out there right now. I would not give up on the Steelers if I was that organization just because what's really been the big roadblock for the Steelers? Well, 
lately has kind of been the Steelers, but the Patriots. Patriots have been everybody's roadblock. Can you imagine what the Steelers' dynasty would look like if it wasn't for possibly a New England dynasty? A New England dynasty superseding the Patriots has been very tough for the Steelers and a few other teams. And, of course, that's the same story on a small level for the Bengals, superseding the Ravens-Steelers dynasty in the division. And now you got the Browns actually making a, a play to usurp the Bengals and maybe be that team. So I'm not sure if I'm um, excited about Andre Smith. I'm not definitely against it, but I'm not on board with it 100%. We'll see. Maybe this thing doesn't needs to crash just a little bit. And I'd be okay with that. You got a new head coach, no pressure. As far as I'm concerned, no pressure. New head coach, okay, get in there. Put this thing together best you can. And then go from there. Don't expect you to win the division right away. And maybe look to the future, what the quarterback situation looks like. Or maybe he comes in and makes Andy Dalton an elite quarterback. Could that be a future? If you're a Bengals fan, could you see a future in which Andy Dalton is an elite NFL quarterback? Not a good NFL quarterback, an elite NFL quarterback. Now, granted, I've had him on my fantasy football team a few times, but that interception number, it always comes back to bite me. It's it's a, it's an attractive fantasy football pick. It is, but at the end of the day, those interceptions out there sometimes have come back and haunted me just a little bit. Thankfully, though, uh, when it comes to uh, my fandom, uh, the only thing that matters to me is winning the real game, not my fantasy football game. All right, we're going to uh, come back, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Cerrito Canova Sports Weekend. Uh, we got Bob Sparks coming up, and we're going to talk about that event. Later on, we'll get your phone calls in on the Miller Lite phone lines at 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. we got more on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Listening to the drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Want to welcome to the program now Bob Sparks. He's one of the founders and organizers of the Cerrito Canova Sports Weekend, and he now joins us on the program. Bob, how are you doing, sir? Doing great. How are you, Paul? I'm good. Now, um, before we continue on, I have been told by Bill Cornwall I have to keep mentioning. He's the uh, the MC of this event coming up for the Cerrito Canova Sports Weekend, as if that's the biggest thing happening at this event. I think it may be. See, and don't Bill's no, don't it. feed into that ego of his, please. No, you can't do that. In Bill's mind, anyway, it is. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Bill's excited about this, and I think probably a lot of people in the community are. Uh, the Cerrito Canova Sports Weekend honors past contributions to sports in Cerrito and Canova. It's also a fundraiser. Uh, if you would, remind everyone uh, a little bit about the history of this event and uh, why you helped put it together. Well, it's, this is our 22nd year, and after Eric was killed, Skip Looney and some other people and I got together and started talking about trying to do something to help raise funds for the youth leagues. And we started this, like I say, 22 years ago. And 
the proceeds go to the scholarship at West Virginia Westland in Eric's name, where he would have been a junior. And CK Youth Football, CK Buddy League, CK Little League Baseball, and the Babe Ruth Baseball. And it's you know it's just it's lasted over 22 years and it keeps to get keeps getting bigger. How important has this been not only to uh, the community but um, the young men and women and everyone who uh, has been affected by this? Uh, because well, let's be honest, money's hard to come by uh, any year for any project, and this is uh, important for a lot of community projects and for a scholarship fund that. Uh, definitely uh, enriches someone's life every year. Uh, I'd like to think it's been very important to the youth of the CK area and to any individual that's got the scholarship. And because, like you say, it you know times are harder and it's hard to get the funds for youth sports anymore. And uh, we we're honored that we can do it. Now, the dinner takes place 6 o'clock Friday night at Canova United Methodist Church, and also there's a benefit golf tournament Saturday at Creekside Golf Course in Lavalette. Um, it's going to be afternoon uh, tea times. Uh, morning tea times are all taken now. So um, if you would, for people maybe uh, don't know enough yet, want to come to this event, uh, want to be a part of this, uh, what do they need to know? Well, like you said, the dinner's tomorrow at six o'clock at the United Methodist Church in Canova, which Bill Cornwell will be, will be the MC. Tickets are ten dollars. You can purchase them at the door. Texas Roadhouse will be catering for us, and we're going to honor the life and celebrate the life of the late Herb Stevens, who was a great CK athlete. And Saturday, the golf outing, Eric Sparks Memorial Golf Outing at Creekside. We tee off at 8 o'clock in the morning. Tea times are full, but we have plenty of afternoon tea times available. Right now, we have 41 total foursomes signed up. So if you're available in the afternoon, we'll be glad to have you. As you mentioned earlier, this um, this event seems to have grown, and it's endured for a long time now. Why is that in your mind? What has um, what has set this event as something that uh, seems to have uh, legs? You know, what's you know, what's what's happening here that maybe people have gravitated to 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 really try to make this an annual event that's bigger and better. I think it just speaks a lot about the people in the Sarita um, Canoa and the tri-state area, both that are willing to come out and support this event to help with the youth leagues. And we do honor past and present players for participants at Sreda Canova or in the Tri-State. And it's just, you know, I, I can't say why it keeps growing other than we put a lot of time and effort into it and people People support us, businesses, local people, local businesses. And, you know, there again, we're honored to be able to do it. It feels like it's really it, it, more of a, this is a community passion, community project, because 
there aren't things like this all across the country in smaller communities, uh, maybe to this degree. Uh, you don't see this in every uh, in every small town in America. And there's a lot of sports history that maybe goes unknown or forgotten about. And I can say this: uh, if you uh, if you grow up in the Cerrito Canova area and you are a fan of, of sports, especially the local sports. Uh, you know all the stories. The stories are still being told, and I guess this plays into that. Yes, it does. That's exactly, you know, everybody down here bleeds green and white, whether it's CK or Marshall, which now you throw a little blue into it, the Spring Valley. But uh, it's just, you know, we bring people back. We hear a lot of stories. I'm not originally from CK. I didn't go to CK, but my kids did. So I get to hear a lot of the stories that were told and, you know, of Herb Stevens, what he did, how good of an athlete he was, and a lot of the others over the years. Bob Sparks is joining us on the program. He is uh, one of the founders and organizers of the Cerrito Canova Sports Weekend. The dinner is Friday night, 6 o'clock at Canova United Methodist Church. Also, the Benefit Golf Tournament will take place Saturday uh, for afternoon tee times as the morning tee times are all booked at Creekside Golf Course in Lava Lata. You've got the dinner. You've got the golf outing. Um, what are some of the other things? Maybe uh, people who haven't been to this uh, event or celebrated this weekend, uh, what can they expect to, to see, to hear, to, to, to find out about? A lot of stories, a lot of laughter, a lot of remembrance. Uh, just a lot of positive things about the CK area, and you know the people that participate in it. It's just, you know, it's just become a great event. Texas Roadhouse uh, for what ten dollars is not a bad deal either. No, it's not, and. The uh, Griffith and Powell Soda Fountain and their people are graciously they're catering the um, lunch for our golf outing Saturday. Surrey Canova Sports Weekend taking place. Uh, the sports dinner Friday night at Canova United Methodist Church. Bob Sparks with us on the program. Bob, thanks for spending a few minutes with us talking about it and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing this uh, big weekend and hopefully even bigger the following year and the year after that. Uh, uh, this is one of the uh, the true uh, sports weekends that uh, seems to be uh, bigger, better every year and done right. So hats off to you, and uh, thanks for coming on the show today. Talk about it. Well, thank you for having me, and if I hear anything exciting out of Bill Cornwell, I'll let you know. Thank you. And trust me, if Bill Cornwell, there's something exciting coming out of Bill Cornwell, he will tell us if you don't. So don't worry about that, Bob. All right. (laughs) Thank you, sir. Bob Sparks joining us on the program, founder and organizer of the Cerrito Canova Sports Weekend. And, of course, we kid Bill Cornwell, but uh, Bill is a a passionate member of that Cerrito Canova sports community and, of course, a big supporter of high school athletics as well, which is a big part of this as well. All right, we're going to take our next break. We'll come back. We'll get your phone calls in. 877-420-TALK, 877-420-8255. we got more on the way. It's The Drive, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.
Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. You know, we're still a few days away from really getting into the meat and potatoes of the final month before college football begins. Of course, that means we'll have camp to talk about. We'll have practice as we're able to talk about. Everything will start ramping up soon, and we're still in that mode where we're looking for stuff to talk about. You know what I'm talking about. That's right. One of those, hey, let's rank the schedules. Hey, let's rank this. Hey, let's go. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. right? Well, we're going to do that today because, well, what else are we going to do? Well, I actually thought this was pretty interesting. Uh, the North Texas 24-7 sports site, they ranked the non-conference schedules of all the teams in Conference USA. And... I'm almost in agreement with most of it. Not enough for me to really sit here and and detail pick it apart. But let's just go top to bottom. And when I mean top, I mean the bottom, actually. We got UAB. Their non-conference schedule, according to the 24-7 guys, it is picked 14th in Conference USA. They've got games at Akron, South Alabama, and Tennessee. Their combined FBS opponent 2018 record 12 and 24. The average FBS opponent preseason ranking 101. And they've got one FCS opponent, Alabama State, who finished um, four and seven. They don't have much really to say about it, other than the fact that, um, well, these will be good for confidence. It's not going to prepare them for the conference schedule, but it's going to be good for confidence. I kind of agree with that. FIU, here's what they said uh, about FIU schedule. 13th. They're saying that Miami, Massachusetts, and at Tulane, with New Hampshire being the FCS opponent, is only 13th best in Conference USA in the non-conference schedule. Um, they're dinging Tulane and Massachusetts. And this is a team that's supposed to compete for a Conference USA title, they say. So really, not tough for them. Louisiana Tech doesn't fare much better. And they're at Texas, at Bowling Green, Massachusetts. And they got Grambling as the FCS schedule. Buster. Why? Is it only 12? You got Texas on the schedule. They're saying Texas Week 1 is going to be a loss. And the only reason why they're above UAB and FIU, um, Bowling Green and Massachusetts rank in the 110s entering the year. So they're not going to struggle too much after week one. Uh, Old Dominion, they got them at 11 in the rankings. And they're at Virginia Tech, Virginia. And they are playing host to East Carolina. So at Virginia Tech, at Virginia, East Carolina, and then they've got Norfolk State. I, I, okay, I can't wait to see the rest of this because 11 is Old Dominion. You're at Virginia Tech in Virginia, and you got East Carolina, which is going to be tough. Um, okay. UTEP is 10th. They're at Texas Tech. They've got Nevada and at New Mexico State, and they've got Houston Baptist as the FCS opponent. Um, they're going to say UTEP's going to struggle with any FBS team, but they could – compete in a game or two if everything breaks right. 
Uh, Western Kentucky is ninth on the schedule as far as the strength of the non-conference. Louisville, uh, neutral location, Army at Arkansas, and they um, they got Central Arkansas as their FCS opponent. And they're saying that Army is uh, going to be on the list a lot. CBS has got them ranked 19th entering the year. Um, Louisville and Arkansas games are just good enough to keep the Hilltoppers from dropping any lower. All right. North Texas. I mean, this is a North Texas site, by the way, and they've got them ranked 8th. Uh, at SMU, at California, and Houston with Abilene Christian as the FCS opponent. Here's what they said about them. They said three games which are against very legitimate teams, but none are close to the top 25 in the country. CBS has SMU at 94 entering the year, which is very low to them. They say also California and Houston hovering around 60 on par with North Texas. So they're really saying, look, um, California, Houston, you guys, you guys are kind of like us. Um, okay. I know North Texas is going to be good, but um, I don't know if I'm dinging Houston. Houston's going to be all right. I don't know if I'm dinging California. Then they got Charlotte at seven. And here's Charlotte at seven with Appalachian State, Massachusetts, Clemson, and they're playing Gardner-Webb as the FBS school. I'm sorry, the FCS school. Um, this This is what they say. They said this is where... It starts getting crazy. Charlotte faces Appalachian State, and Clemson is ranked seventh on the list. The main reason being there is at least one winnable game here. Also, while Appalachian State is very good, team ranked number 30th by CBS. They are far from perfect, and if they faced a top team in Conference USA, it would be close. And, oh, by the way, they don't have to mention Clemson. I mean, come on. Come on. Um, Clemson, Clemson is tough. Appalachian State. Heck, I like to see Appalachian State in Conference USA, so I'm just going to leave that there. Uh, Florida Atlantic. Florida Atlantic at six on the list. They rank them like this. Because you got Ohio State, UCF, and Ball State for Florida Atlantic, and then they got Wagner, the FCS opponent. And this is what they said about them. Two of the top 20 teams in the country – in the first two weeks for head coach Lane Kiffin and company, they say that they know Ohio State will be in the conversation for the playoffs and UFC, I'm sorry, UCF, could once again get a New Year's Six bowl bid. Thankfully, Ball State gives the Owls a win before playing Wagner and starting conference. So with Ohio State and UCF, Florida Atlantic's non-conference schedule ranks sixth in Conference USA, according to North Texas's 24-7 site. Number five is UTSA. UTSA. They've got games at Baylor. They're playing Army. They're at Texas A&M. And they've got one of my favorite FCS schools, Incarnate Word, who finished 6-5 and five last season. And they're saying that Army is actually a top-20 team. This is a killer trident of games. Their word, trident of games. Trident of games is killer. Baylor is still being resurrected, but went 7-6 and six last year. They're also saying uh, they'll be home week two against the Roadrunners. The A&M game is interesting because it doesn't come until November 2nd, so maybe they'll catch them off guard in the midst of their SEC schedule or A&M feast on the SEC. I'm sorry, the A&M feast on Conference USA for going on a bye to get ready for South Carolina, Georgia, and LSU. Then here we go. Marshall is fourth. Non-conference, Marshall is fourth 
with games at Boise State, Ohio, Cincinnati, and you've got VMI as your FCS opponent, who finished an impressive one in ten last year. Um, they're saying they're pretty complimentary, actually. They're saying this is a sneaky string of games against three teams that won at least nine games last year. Marshall's a top-tier CUSA team, though, so they'll be expected to compete in these games and probably win one at home. But that doesn't change the fact that these three teams are all probably top 50 teams in the country. So, my camera's probably reading this right now going, yeah, you're darn right. You're darn right. So, they give Marshall the nod at four for the tough non-conference schedule. Rice comes in at third with Army, Wake Forest, Texas, Baylor's neutral location. Middle Tennessee comes in second with Michigan, and that's at Michigan. They got Duke, and they're at Iowa as well, and they take on Tennessee State. And then Southern Miss gets the nod at number one with a uh, schedule at Mississippi State, at Troy, and Alabama. Alabama, of course, putting that on top of everything. And um, Alcorn State, which was a solid FCS team. They're saying um, the Golden Eagles better enjoy their opening week win against Alcorn State, which is noted as one of the best FCS schools, and you better note that because they are, because they have this schedule in the following three weeks. Mississippi State and Troy are borderline top 25 teams with players that supersede mostly anything Conference USA has. Troy showed North Texas two years ago in the New Orleans Bowl just how nasty their defense is. They're saying it's not going to be fun for them. Also, Alabama has played four Conference USA teams this decade. They are 4-0, and and they have won the four games by an average score of 42-8. to So what do you think of this? Do you agree with this, disagree with this? I mean, you can't complain too much because Marshall is, well, Marshall's fourth as far as their opinion. Again, this is their opinion. So here is Conference USA, non-conference schedules. Um, and they didn't take the FCS schools into consideration when they ranked them. So I think that's fair. Uh, you take the, the other schools, but if you did that, you definitely drop this thing down a little bit because Marshall's got VMI. Mar- that game makes sense, though, and I'm not trying to defend it. I'm just telling you it makes sense because VMI is a familiar foe. They need a game. FCS opponent, Marshall's played them in the past. So you got a history there. Okay, the older herd fans have got a history there. I've got a history there. I guess that puts me in the older herd fans category now. And so you play that game. You need a tune. You're going to Boise. You're on the road. You need a t- game. You need a tune up. Get ready. Okay, here it is. VMI should be an easy game. You should. You should get a chance to see what your team looks like. Play some guys that maybe won't get to see the field that much. You get the score up early on this thing. Get some guys rested. That's what I would do. Run the score up as much as you can in the first half. Run your offense. Keep them off the board. Second half, get your get your second team, third teamers in there. Get your guys that aren't going to see the field again. Just give them opportunity to go out there and play hard as they can. Keep your starters healthy. Keep your starters rested. Going to Boise State. Tuned up, ready to go. That that's what I would hope this thing is. That's what this game is for. But that's high praise. Again, this is one website's opinion. Covers um, Conference USA. 
Boise State gets a lot of credit. Ohio, Cincinnati, their combined FBS opponents 2018 record 30 and 9. The average FBS opponent preseason ranking 34.3. So this could be a, a schedule in which Marshall wins two or three of these games and looks pretty good, pretty strong here. And what if is this a schedule? If Marshall can go undefeated with this non-conference schedule, will this propel them in that conversation a little bit? And if they can get through Conference USA pretty much healthy, unscathed, and get to the conference championship game, does this schedule put them in a conversation? Are we talking about Marshall possibly looking at an access bowl bid? Is that a schedule that makes you think that? And I'm not saying no, but you got to look at it from the standpoint that, okay, Boise State's going to be a team that they're going to be in the conversation always. So if you beat them, all of a sudden you're in the conversation and you're on the road. You beat Boise on the road. And then you got Ohio, and the Bobcats are good. They're going to be a solid team out of the MAC. And Cincinnati, they're a team out of the American. They might be solid this year. They might not be. But if you beat Boise, you beat Ohio, you beat Cincinnati, and you just throttle VMI, and then you go through Conference USA and you win that thing, Marshall's in the conversation, right? Uh, well, that's what you hope anyway. Don't know how it's going to play out, though. and you, we got to wait and see what happens. First game coming up late August, as late as you possibly can get, August 31st, as it'll be Marshall playing host the VMI, 6.30 p.m. I'm just going to tell you right now, we go on the air three hours before that. 3.30 p.m. I will be there before 3.30 p.m. to see you all at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, the airtime for the road game on the 6th will be 6 p.m. Just letting you know. That is going to do it for today's edition of the show. Back tomorrow. We'll do it all over again. Don't forget if you missed any part of the program, you can always go back and catch it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. It's The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Enjoy the rest of your night, everyone. Good night. is your radio home for Pittsburgh Pirates baseball, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.